This is more than just vengeance. This is revenge. You've crossed America's most vindictive podcast, and now you must pay the ultimate price. You can call me Peyotis. Oh, that's great. Too good. I'm Ben Sheets, and I like my real Mexican beer. I'll drink to that. Indeed. Hello, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm naked, but I'm not afraid. Well, you better be. Naked or afraid? (laughs) Both. Okay, cool. Because tonight... We're talking about, uh, we're actually talking about the very first of our uh, Patreon picks. This film was uh, chosen for us by honorary pod boy Sam Simon. Thank you, and, Sam. And uh, I will, yes, I will thank you in advance, Sam, for picking this fucking awesome film that we're about to talk about. We're going to be discussing the uh, French extreme film Revenge. Shutter exclusive. Shutter exclusive. Uh, came out in uh, 2017 originally, written and directed by Coralie Farge. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not good with French. And starring Denise Targaryen. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, it star- the film stars Matilda Lutz, Kevin Janssens, Vincent Colomb, and Guillaume Bouched. You have to admit, she, she looks a lot like... Uh, she looks a little bit like Amelia Clark. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. A little bit. I can see it. Especially when she's all covered in muck. Yeah, it's funny. I kept seeing the poster around before I saw this movie. I saw this movie last year and really loved it mm. as a primer. I but can see why. I, I saw the poster with her really dirtied up. And it looked like she was like a brunette. So when she first comes on screen and she's blonde, I was so thrown off at first. But it's because this movie is just so grimy. So grimy and nasty and dirty. Just Uh, like us. Yeah, just like us. It's the perfect it's the perfect <laughs> film for us. Um, yeah, this is a sort of uh, classic rape revenge thriller with uh, sort of like a, a nice like modern veneer. Definitely a uh, recent entry into uh, the French extremity cinema movement. Um, some other films like um, Martyrs and Inside and High Tension all of which I would love to talk about on the podcast at some point. It's about a uh, young woman who is on vacation in the desert with her wealthy boyfriend. Uh, his uh, sort of slovenly friends show up. There's some rape and some uh, attempted murder. And some revenge. And then a whole a lot, of lot of revenge. A whole lot of revenge. Before we dig too deep in the film, I do just want to say, like, it feels good to have a Patreon pick. It does. Yeah. It feels really nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. Gives I, us I, a nice little surprise. Mm-hmm. And many more. Because, yeah, this is this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and this uh, is a good one to start with. Indeed. <laughs> totally. Um, um, yeah, you'd seen this before, Ben, but yeah. Cleve and I have not. This is a, a first time viewing for us. Um, I thought it was fucking awesome, though. I, I really, really enjoyed it. it it fucking slapped. Yeah. I want more movies like this where it's pure exploitation but shot really well yes. and paced really well. Awesome music. And it doesn't skimp out on the practicals or the blood, no. you know? Like, I feel like with a lot of modern exploitation, they'll cut corners when it comes to showing us the juicy flesh or the the, the, the bloody bits. And this movie definitely does not skimp out on that. Yeah, I was a little 
I wouldn't say worried, but I was a little apprehensive at the beginning um, because we're introduced to like the entirety of our cast, like pretty shortly right off the bat. Like we've got our protagonist and then her boyfriend and then his two friends. And I was going into this movie knowing that it was like kind of a, a, a super violent uh, exploitation rape revenge movie. I'm like, not very many characters. So there's not a very high body count. But man, they make up for it in gratuity. Uh, for her, for a film with a relatively low body count, there is so much uh, gruesome blood and gore in this, and I was having such a great time. And it's creatively g- done gore, yes. too. Like it's not just dude guys stabbed. That's that. Mm-hmm. They really make the most out of their mileage with that. I I would have been impressed by one of these sequences. Like, any one of the kills could have been, like, the the climax yeah. uh, for me. And so it was yeah, very impressive. What's interesting about this film to me is it starts very objectifying. You know, there's a lot yeah. of shots mm-hmm. of our main protagonist, but yes. just constantly. You know, the first time I saw that, it kind of grossed me out in a way because it's very, like, voyeuristic yeah. in a lot of ways. The, the, I think it's supposed um, to, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As male gazy as it could well, be. Well, exactly, because it... it recontextualizes it shortly after mm-hmm. and becomes a very different movie. And also, that. like, knowing that it's written and directed by a woman, too, like, it's very it's very oh, obviously yeah. supposed to be sort of a, a woman's interpretation of the male gaze. Yeah. So it is, like, extremely exaggerated and lecherous and gross. Mm-hmm. And I think it's supposed to make you feel really uncomfortable because it certainly does. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie does a lot to really, like, make your stomach squirm before any of the blood starts happening. I would say, like, the whole first 30 minutes or so before there's any... Um, like really gratuitous violence or anything before there's any blood like there's it's just a lot of like sitting and stewing and how like fucking creepy and gross these men are this movie does a really nice job of presenting textures to us too Mm. like i think about kind of the apple for example early on yeah uh that's kind of if she takes a bite out of it the day before and then it's left on the table and the next day we get just a gross and browned and that sets such a tone for what's to come and then later yeah and then later there's like an ant crawling on it so it's like we keep cutting back to this apple that's just like before the action kicks in it's just getting like grosser and grosser sort of reflecting the skeezy underbelly of like the nice like house and party veneer that they have because like the the first night like they're having a good time you know they're they're doing drugs and they're drinking and dancing and partying and watching wrestling and it all feels like a good like a good time um and then like the next day is when we see like the ant crawling on uh, i i love i love like the use of of ants and like bugs in yeah. this movie because it becomes sort of like a like a recurring uh visual motif yeah just crawling animals in general yeah we've got the lizard shots and the rest the, the animalistic nature of people like it was very fun I, I i like that i like that theme and how it's played up so uh 
directly. That whole opening sequence, uh, really interesting to me. There have been times before on the podcast where I've been like, oh my god, it, it's so, like, male gazy, you know? Like, it's all, like, just, the, these shots are just, like, right up this person's butthole. But here, the color correction is just so, like, vivid and gorgeous, and um, the the music is is so, like, captivating, and uh, it's so well edited and shot that during those, like, ass-tracking shots and stuff, they're so well done that I wasn't thrown off by it. It's so apparent, like, what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, and their intent and it was isn't so, like, just clear. being sleazy. You know? Right. And, and There's so, like, self-awareness to it. Not even knowing the film, like, had a female director. Like, not that particularly matters, but, like, not knowing that even. Like, I, I still was so impressed by those shots that, like, it wasn't a... A thing for me at the time, even like because yeah, yeah. often it would be like uh, you know I'd be a little put off by it. This movie is beautifully shot, gorgeous. The aesthetic, yeah, is, fucking. Gorgeous you should get that out of the film. way right off the bat. It is absolutely gorgeous, really colorful, really vibrant. Yes, um, you know, for most of it being set in the desert, you know, you really feel the sun a lot of times. And the secret is they didn't just like ramp up the saturation; it's the set dressing in particular that that makes it so um colorful the placement of these like yellow chairs and like teal pillows on the couches and stuff like they're all like so carefully coordinated like even shots where characters are like walking into the bedroom and there's like a shirt that's like crumpled and thrown on the ground that's like very vividly pink and then like somewhere else there's like a little red ipod on the bed and it's just like they just they they stand out so vividly and even though they're just carefully thrown aside it all just feels like art gorgeous Mm -hmm. absolutely stunning film the back side of the house that faces the pool is like all floor to ceiling glass windows but two of the panes are like different colors like one of them is like hot pink and the other is like electric blue those are really cool and one thing that i love too is that like once once we get like out into the desert like once she's being hunted by these guys when she's hunting them really even after like she's all grimy and dirty and she's been like stripped down to like her black underwear and she's all covered in dirt she's still got those hot pink star earrings on so there's like still these that that remain like relatively clean that color so still, contrast yeah there's still like these really nice splashes of like this this like 80s neon aesthetic also holy shit her bikini in the first act amazing design the way like the the side strap has like the like the black squiggles like on like 80s wallpaper coolest bikini ever like that yeah that fucking ruled great great costuming in this film yeah, it's got like this they, the house got like this big white like like uh semi-circular wraparound couch and there's this big uh sort of like pop art virgin mary or like madonna painting on the wall that is like uh as you were saying ben we were watching it like it's so tacky that it sort of comes back around to being yeah. cool yeah <laughs> yeah and it fits the room perfectly yeah. because yeah. the the, the whole house matches. is so pop art yeah. yeah, like the colors all like match perfectly because it's like it's like the the skin on like the the Madonna is like teal and then like the lips are pink and they have like the the pink rouge like the opposing windows. So yeah, like that that house. Fuck, I just oh god, I want to live in it. You know what? Just just sell it to me like after the blood is all uh, is all over the walls at, at a discount. Like that's fine. I'll take it. I'll take it as is. Yeah, I'll yeah. just I'll slip and slide around the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Kramer and Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love like the desert setting too, because I feel like a lot of your your typical kind of like rape revenge movies or or films where like somebody's being hunted and then the hunter becomes the hunted, so on and so forth. It's like in the woods or like the jungle, you know, very uh, most dangerous game kind of vibe, which is cool. But I like sort of this as an alternative setting. You know, this mo- what it reminded me of. Have either of y'all seen any of the Wolf Creek movies? Similar in that, like, there's a, a psycho, like, hunting people, but they're Australian, so they all take place in, like, the Australian outback, and the serial killer is, like, a psychotic crocodile Dundee type guy. That sounds rad. Uh, yeah, they're pretty fun. I've only seen the first one. The desert setting makes it feel overall less bleak, which mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate. I find myself having a hard time watching voluntarily rape revenge movies a lot of times agree and this movie honestly it handles that stuff really tastefully in so far as you have it and it is rough still but yeah it's not easy they don't show it directly no it cuts away like you you see some stuff through the window but it, you're not just watching. The film's it not happen. reveling. It's in not. It. Yeah, We're here reveling the violence, not in that. irreversible yeah. by any means. No, 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 no. It's not. It's nothing that extreme. Like it's. It's still very difficult to watch and and pretty graphic, but also done in like. I hesitate to use the word tasteful because it is rape and yeah. rape is never tasteful. Yeah, but. Like there's there's so there's so much intent around like the it doesn't way, feel sleazy. Like, I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah, well, it's, so, it's not trying to revel in it like a lot of these movies do. Well, like it doesn't feel exploitative. Is that maybe a better? I mean, it's still, yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's still an exploitation it's, film, yeah. but but no, it's it not reveling in it. It doesn't you know? feel exploitative. Like I, there's. Yeah, what I what I think about it, is like sure. when one of his the, the boyfriend's friends is like he starts raping her and the other friend comes in and he's just like is like if you want some come in otherwise like go away and you know we get these really sickening uh, vile extreme close ups of the dude just standing in the doorway like eating like crunch bars or whatever yeah once again texture yeah. with his gross almost pig like mouth yeah pulling apart this really nasty candy bar well, joe noticed like when he when he pulls like it's like a milky way so it's got like the like the gun and gooey center when he pulls it back it makes like that a micro close-up it's it's like a um like someone's like twisting rubber yeah like yeah it's this like cool like macro like made micro sound but um he yeah, I really like that he turns around and like walks out and closes the door and he like turns the tv volume up really loud and he goes out to the pool and the shot that i think of is like the shot of the window because she's like pushed up against the window and like we can see like her face and her hand like banging against the glass and the the slovenly friend is like reflected in the glass like walking around the pool and like diving in just like totally ignoring it like it's it's wretched but it's like it's a really good split perspective shot yeah um done with like very minimal like camera trickery like it's uh it's effective yeah it's not drawn out though which is exactly they don't linger on it too long yeah when you make the comparison to irreversible like yeah it's not a uh it's not a a 10 minute uh uncut rape scene it's nothing like that this isn't the gaspar no film thank god (laughs) i appreciate that because like when you look at how gratuitous the rest of this film is 
they don't like take it in that direction. And going back to being shot in the desert, by the end of it, I think we we'd about settled on the fact that this film was was likely shot in either Spain or Italy. Italy, I would say Italy. Um, Probably Italy. Either is very viable. A la like old spaghetti westerns, spaghetti westerns, giallo, like all these films sort of like share that that sense of like over the top, you know, gratuity and almost zaniness. I thought it, it fits so well. Yeah, and it definitely carries that lineage of vibrant colors and uh, yeah. really vibrant scenes. And yeah, I think, you bring up Giallo, and like it definitely has like Argento esque blood. Yeah, a little less cheap looking, but like extremely vibrant red. Like yeah, and almost like paint. Plenty mm-hmm. of it. Tons like, of it. Like they don't mm-hmm. skimp out on it. And I think you know a lot of the vibrancy and that stuff is what makes a lot of this feel so cathartic. Yeah. You know, even though the rape scene is tough, just like any other rape revenge film. As it should be. The the blow is lessened a little bit by all the catharsis you have afterwards. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's that's sort of like how you do a rape revenge film successfully is like light on the rape, heavy on the revenge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, And and, and this this film does that like the really like uncomfortable sexual assault stuff is done we, you know 30 minutes into the movie and then we've got over an hour of uh murder of murder <laughs> yeah. yeah so they chase her out into into the desert because you know she tries to tell her boyfriend that uh, that his friends raped her while he was gone he tries to play it off like it's not a big deal she says you know call the helicopter and get me out of here or i'm gonna call your wife and tell her about us up until this point he's presented as a protagonist and i love that like the the opening shot of the film is i think there there are a few lead-ins but like the the big like one that they they hold on is of him in the forefront with his aviators, like, reflecting mm-hmm. the sky and like, all these p- cool pink and teal patterns. And she's behind him. He's, like, blonde, built, fucking, the dude is toy. And uh, he's got, like, a, a fat-ass chin. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> like, you could fit a quarter in that chin. Like, yeah. uh, but It looks uh, like a coin slot. <laughs> it does. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he looks almost, like, cartoonishly... Uh, manly man heroic ass he's like french aaron yeah. eckhart yeah this dude's just like an overmensch <laughs> walking around and uh and he's he's shown as like moral almost at the very very beginning like you well know, you're not yeah. under the impression that he's doing like you find out pretty quickly after they get into the house and like immediately yes, have that sex then that, moral. <laughs> then that he he gets on the phone with his wife, wife. yeah so and you find you out hear within, the kids in the background yeah. and stuff you yeah. hear the baby crying like you find out within the first few minutes oh that, speaking like, of you hear is, the baby crying in the background and that's the one thing i can really fault this movie for is they use like the standard stock baby crying generic sound crying yeah. baby we've all heard of the meh, eh, eh, like where the baby goes like that like so, yeah we're ruined after a spiral with the the computerized baby. <laughs> hey, but but there it would have yeah. worked. It would've, he would have grabbed a stock baby noise because it is fake. So that that actually would have worked better in spiral. But now you just think about it every time. It's You're true. Thinking, yeah. oh, maybe hey, he was maybe, actually uh... on the phone with with Jigsaw. <laughs> And this is actually in the, <laughs> the Saw. spiral universe. Yeah, the yeah. Saw universe. Wow. Yeah. So like we we get off the bat that he's at least uh, a scumbag because he's like uh, cheating on his wife. But maybe like he still has a heart of gold or something. You know, maybe yeah. Maybe it's just well, one like, flaw. When, we don't when know. he when he comes back and like finds that she's been raped, like he 
he like confronts his friend like you would expect him to mm-hmm. uh, or like you would expect a, a a good guy to but then very quickly you realize that he he's not a good guy cuz he's just going to try and brush it out of the rug yeah. after like quote confronting them yeah well like he she says she wants to she wants to go home and then she like falls asleep and when she wakes up he like tells her that he's gotten her a job in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like he feels bad. Which is unspecified. Well, the vibe that I got is that he's, like, trying to pimp her out. Because he, like, hands her a piece of paper, and he's like, here's the money that'll be deposited into your account. You can oh. do whatever you want with it. Yeah. You know, and, like, maybe he is just trying to, like, distance himself from her, like, send her across to the other side of the world, and, like, give her a bunch of hush money to, like, yeah. go go away and not That's talk. how I read it. Yeah. I yeah, that's Same. that I think that that is a, a a solid read on it too. Because he doesn't specify what the job is, like hey, I got you a job in Canada, like it it feels a little skeezy to me, but um he seems like the kind of rich asshole that just throws money at his problems, you know. Yeah, I think sure. later they mention uh their lawyers can fix yeah. any problem that they have. So yeah. like I think he's just used to just throwing money and not disregarding yeah, probably that, right like, that's second nature and she's and you know she obviously rejects that and says like no get the helicopter like i want to go home right now and when he refuses she says like okay well then i'm gonna get on the phone and call your wife and tell her about us and that is uh that is when he snaps and chases her out into the desert with his friends she ends up on the edge of a cliff and uh, he he sort of like pretends to call the helicopter and be like, "Hey, sorry, we don't worry about it. Like, I'm calling the helicopter right now." And then he pushes her off the cliff, and she falls and uh, is impaled on like a dead tree at the base of the cliff, which is fucking uh, grotesque and shocking, and also like uh, and sort of. I was like, "Oh shit! Well, she's dead. dead. So where's the movie going?" Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny because that's the reason she didn't die, is yeah. because she got impaled rather than take just the boar's trauma. Yeah, like a fucking wet sack of concrete. Like, yeah. You know, like oh a, man, like a melon. You know, like because that's that's like a that was like a thirty foot drop. And also, like, it just makes the rest of the movie where she has to, like, survive after that just all the more brutal because it's not just like she fell off a cliff. She fell off a cliff and got impaled on a tree. And, like, to get off, she, like, starts, she, she like, uses her headphones, her earbuds to, like, pull her lighter close to her, which is on the ground, and then starts a brush fire under the tree. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. But also, it's like, the fire is, like, under her. Like, you for the rest of the movie, like, her back is all, like, burned yeah. and charred up. Um, but, yeah, it, it allows the it allows her to break the tree and, and get away. But for, like, the next, like, 30 minutes, probably, she's walking around, like, with the tree branch, like, sticking out of her gut. Mm-hmm. That's longer Ooh. than that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, for, it's for a good chunk of the movie. Well, she goes for a swim with it in her gut. Yeah, which yeah. is the like, most brutal. Yeah, Can't that imagine. shit would have got infected for sure. 
for sure, for sure. But yeah, then then the 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 three guys decide, well, we can't let her get away, so we gotta we gotta go hunt. They're there for a hunting trip anyway, so they have guns and like ATVs and dirt bikes and shit. So they head out into the desert to hunt her. Um, uh, going back uh, briefly, uh, I do want to mention also the, the the fucking awesome shot of the ant beneath her and like you, oh yeah, you, you crawling around, and then there's just like this bombshell of a blood droplet like it's it's like a bomb like or like a like a mortar shell going off next to this ant you know like it's just underneath her they really like drowning uh bugs in this movie yeah yeah because yeah. gets... various body fluids yeah because uh stan pisses on a spider later and they just <laughs> like they really just like piss on that oh, spider yeah I, I guess uh, you know I, w- I was asking about it earlier i was like you know you really can't like put like no animals are harmed in the making of this movie if you step on a bug but like obviously you, you can't like i don't think they count insects but like in this movie like i guess bugs are animals and they were harmed yeah they were dripping blood all over some ants and pissing on spiders and shit and they, they drowned that spider in piss like yeah that, yeah so that, for sure that spider is sure. dead <laughs> that, that's rough or at um, least covered in piss. Yeah. <laughs> Still rough. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. I'm arachnophobic, but I wouldn't wish that on any on anybody. Yeah, imagine you're just like walking around minding your own business and a giant comes along and pisses on you until you die. <laughs> yeah. Every day, man. Every day. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what life in America is like, isn't it? It's oh, true, damn. yeah. If you think about it. Damn. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about the the first kill. She Moida. escapes with the tree branch stuck in her and gets all the way to a sort of pond of some. Uh, it's sort. a river, I a think. River. She makes it to a river. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they are looking for her because they went back to the scene of the crime mm-hmm. and saw the uh, charred remains of the brush fire and her not there and a trail of blood. Yes. Most importantly, yes. that's they they follow the trail of her blood all the way to the river, and then decide to split up. One of them is going to stay there. The boyfriend's going to go off one way. The fat guy's going to go off another way. I love that. Like the fat friend Dimitri has like hardly any lines until like the part where he finds her in you know a little after this like for for most of the movie beforehand he just like stands around looking like a like a dumb fucking hog you and know eating, eating constantly like eating food standing around just like slack jawed with his mouth open like he never he doesn't talk like he's just i i almost wish he didn't have any lines at all there's a really funny sequence when she's running away from the house and they're all chasing after mm-hmm. her, and Dimitri's like chugging. It keeps, yeah, it keeps cutting. It keeps cutting back and forth between each person running, and like the like her and the boyfriend and Stan are like running normally, and then it keeps cutting to Dimitri, who's just like huffing and puffing. Which real talk, relatable. That would be me, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it is pretty. It is pretty funny. I like that he has a couple lines. Um, it makes it a little bit more genuine. He would have only been a cartoon character, like if he'd never had any lines at all, I think. And the um, lines he has just makes him all the more monstrous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because in a lot of ways, he's playing with his 
food and mm-hmm. and sort of the hunting lingo uh you know he has her by the head and he's you know dunking her in the water mm-hmm. he could kill her at any time but he likes seeing her suffer well it's- she comes upon him while like he's taking a piss and like grabs his rifle or his shotgun, uh, and, you know, tries to shoot him, but it's unloaded. And, you know, then, like, as he's dunking her in the in the river, he, like, keeps pulling her head out of the water to, like, gloat. He, like, he says something like, my, my preferred style of hunting is to, like, make my prey think that I'm vulnerable and, like, come and try to attack me. And then it turns out that I am the one who uh, was tricking them all along. There definitely remains something to be said for whether he's just uh, saying that because he's in a dominant position or whether he actually did, like, take a piss and leave his rifle, like, as an attempt to try to trap her. But it doesn't really matter. But his gloating is also what gets him killed. Mm -hmm. uh, Because, of course, uh, because as she continues to be dunked in, in the water, she eventually grabs the knife on his belt. Uh, and stabs him in both eyes. She gives him the old one-two. It's really brutal, too. You get uh, some decent shots of him just writhing around, just completely bloodied in the face. Yeah, with a knife stuck in one eye and the other eye, like, already put out by the knife. And then you get, like, the great shot of, like, once he's dead and floating in the water of her, like, having to pull the knife out of his skull. Yeah, and then she says, knife to know ya, and then walks away. She doesn't, but I wish she did. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine if she was just cracking one-liners throughout this whole movie? I mean, I wish, honestly. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. But uh, we don't need that, because we had Cleveland for that. Yeah. (laughs) Knife knowing ya. And others. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so after that she takes his atv and his gun and like his his bag um and she rides off into the desert and finds a cave as Um, seen on atv oh no (laughs) and uh she builds a fire and she remembers that in her her locket around her neck, she has some peyote. I love how they introduced that peyote earlier yeah. in the movie. Well, it's one of the first. It's at the very beginning when the helicopter pilot drops them off. Like when the boyfriend like goes to shake his hand, he like puts a bag, a little baggie or something in in his hand. So the helicopter pilot gave him the peyote, which is cool. Uh, and you know, then when they're partying, he says like, uh, he's like, oh yeah. Um, you know, this is this peyote is uh, is is pretty uh, intense stuff. There, there's a guy a few years ago who took some and went crazy and uh, sawed his leg off because he didn't feel any pain or whatever. Um, and they found him with no blood with left no in his blood body. Left in his body, which sounded silly at the time, but after seeing how much blood <laughs> is lost from people in this movie, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Um, but he says basically like this stuff plus firearms, uh, is an accident waiting to happen. So he gives it to her and he says, go hide it somewhere, go hide it somewhere safe. And it turns out she puts it in, uh, in her little heart shaped locket, 
Uh, and it's I, I love that that comes back around because I had forgotten about it until she gets into the cave and she's like trying to take the stick out of her out of her gut, the, the tree branch, and it hurts too much. And then she remembers and opens up the locket and takes the peyote and uses it as like a painkiller. And I... I I thought it was cool because, like, I feel like realistically, like, every time I've done hallucinogenics, like, all I've ever wanted to do is just stare at my hands. And so, like, realistically, she would have just taken that shit, laid in that cave, staring at her hands until she bled out and died. Um... But instead, she goes like full Rambo, and not only does she she cut the branch out, but then like a total fucking badass, uh, she uh, cuts the beer can in half, splays it, splays it across a stick. Is it the same stick she's impaled by? No, she splays it across a knife. A knife, yeah, yeah. Oh, even cooler. Yeah, knife. And then and uh, this is a knife, uh, and holds it over the fire, and then uses uh, the like plate of hot aluminum to to cauterize the wound, which is fucking awesome and not only does it, it cauterize the wound but it also gives her a fucking awesome brand yeah. it looks it look it looks just like a tattoo it's a little uh unrealistic uh well i mean very uh according to ben's uh it's a very solid point which was that uh it, it says like the it says mexican beer on the yeah. can yeah but it also says mexican beer on her and it would it would absolutely be in reverse it but would be in reverse who the fuck yeah. cares this is rule of cool territory like it's cool because like the the label is like uh it's like a phoenix uh-huh. it's like a like yeah. a, a firebird uh mm-hmm. and it says mexican beer wait wait actually wait if if she used the inside like the inner part of the can she didn't though. Oh, okay yeah damn well because there's the inner part was just like flat unprinted aluminum yeah which would have been um, the better side to brand yourself with but yeah, yeah. but i mean it, what, it wouldn't be the cooler side and that's what matters well, yeah we, exactly. what we get is uh is like where she has this, this horrible gut wound she now has a fucking metal ass phoenix burned onto her stomach that says mexican beer yeah. on it she uh passes out from the uh the intensity of it and then just has a series of very intense peyote dreams yeah i love the way they did that they do the fake out uh where she like wakes up and like gets up and starts to walk out of the cave and then like the boyfriend appears with the shotgun and blows her head off and then she wakes up again and I would have almost been a little annoyed by the cliche of that, except they do it again immediately. She gets, <laughs> Just keep doing she it. She gets right back up, starts walking out of the cave. He appears again, shoots her in the head again, and then she wakes up. And then that time when she wakes up, it's the, the guy she drowned, all like bloated and and soggy and like vomiting water and stuff. It's uh, But again, yeah, you but, get textures yeah. in between it, too. Plus, you get like weird, like wormy things and like the iguana skin yeah it's it's like the the end of like pink floyd's the wall with like the writhing worms and like cutting back to that yeah well yeah she she sees she sees stan who uh, raped her and she like sees him like licking his lips and then it's superimposed with an iguana licking its lips and the one that, that the one that really got me she has a flashback back to the beginning when she's like giving her boyfriend a blowjob and it intercuts that 
with like a centipede like eating like biting down on a maggot with like its mandibles and that that was what really got me really effective like they're paired like right next to each other perfectly and uh yeah it's fantastic and two like um i love that because that that's very much the like the cyclical nature of psychedelics. Um, there's a lot of like boomeranging that that happens. You know, you get caught in those like feedback loops. So it, it's very fitting that like ooh, she would experience stuff like like dying again and again. Like it, it is almost like an ego death. You know? Except then, it's like a literal death. Except then, finally, <laughs> she just wakes up and she's not tripping anymore. It's yes. a little it's a little <laughs> abrupt, but uh, I don't care. Uh, cause then at that point, like she has, I, like she has experienced ego death kind of like she is, uh, all that is left. Like she has passed through, she's passed through fire and been reborn from the ashes, like the Mexican beer Phoenix. Uh, and she's, <laughs> and she's no longer, and she's no longer the hunted. Now she is the hunter. Uh, so I, I love, I love that they use her peyote trip to sort of like represent that death and rebirth where she dies as the hunted and is reborn as the hunter because uh, then she's just like a complete stone cold badass for the rest of the movie she's lady terminator yes which is awesome honestly it's way, so way, way cooler than the yeah. actual lady terminator <laughs> <laughs> apparently i haven't seen, I haven't yeah, seen I haven't it, seen yeah. it but uh yeah I, i'm Don't willing hear to good things i don't know I'm willing to to bet that you're right, though. Um, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah, this movie rules. There's sort of like multiple role reversals. Like she goes from you know being the victim to to being the hunter, but also her boyfriend goes from being like the seemingly good guy. He becomes like really cartoonishly evil. Yes. Um. I he especially by the end. Uh, he's giving me big Anthony Starr in the boys vibes, like big Homelander vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, the same kind of like maniacal, psychopathic, like pretty blonde guy. Yeah. Um, but also what I really like is that Stan, the one who rapes her, once like everything starts going down and like shit hits the fan, like he becomes totally sniveling and pathetic. Yeah. Like the one who is like the most predatory at the beginning becomes totally worm-like and cowardly. Makes sense, but I I love how all of the the primary characters other than Dimitri who's the first one killed, they all sort of like become the opposite of what they are at the beginning. Yeah, there's a fundamental shift. It makes everything feel much more dynamic in the film. Yeah. Uh, no character ends the film as they started. Yeah. And seeing Stan get hunted down as he's driving in the, the Jeep yeah. is so satisfying. He's like... Uh, <laughs> uh, Richard punches him in the, in the nose and breaks mm-hmm. his nose. So he's like sticking uh, Kleenex up his nose... And holding a mirror up, and she catches the reflection yes. of the mirror in her binocular or in the scope. I think that's just so brilliant how clever they are with like how she finds him. Well, his death is so drawn out too, uh, which is great. Creative, because like it, the his his jeep runs out of gas, so he's like refueling and gives it gives her a chance to catch up to him, and she shoots him, but underestimates. 
the the kick that the shotgun will have, which I like because of, she's never fired a gun, presumably. So she would, and she hits him, but it like it like gets him in the shoulder, and it's like a really brutal, nasty wound, but not a fatal one. Um, so then they have like the kind of uh, little bit of cat and mouse where he gets his rifle and shoots at her and like shoots off half of her ear, which once again yeah, is really nasty. off the, one of the earrings. Once again, mm-hmm. really nasty. Um, but I, I love the, the trick that she does when she's running yes. and he's shooting at her and she takes the flashlight and smashes it on a rock as she's running by. So the glass scatters behind her. And he's taken off one of his boots. Like caltrips. Yeah, he's taken off one of his boots so he can use the sock to, like, make a tourniquet for his for his wound. And so he's running and steps on a, a shard of glass. Oh, and, uh, boy, is that oh, man, tuss. Wow. How does... It's man. really drawn out, too, as he tries to get the piece of glass out of his foot. He's just, like, digging around. It's, like, it's drawn out as it's slowly drawn out. It's, like, like yeah. two minutes of him digging around in his foot, like, trying to pull out this massive shard of glass. It is absolutely grisly. Yeah. And awesome. And, and yeah, and he's, like, and he's like whining and blubbering like a baby the whole time, too. Yeah. I, Some I was, dope practicals. Oh, God, man, sure. all, all the practicals in this movie. Like, there's... If there is any CG in this entire film that's not in, like, the the uh, psychedelic transitions in her dream, like, I would be shocked. Everything is fucking practical. It's so grisly and gross. I was saying in the moment it would have been, she, ha- she would have had plenty of time to just walk up behind him and just, like, blow his head clean off, uh, but she doesn't. Instead, uh... We get a pretty great uh, game of chicken where she uh, is just standing in the road as he's charging at her with the car, just shooting at him until she finally gets him in the head and jumps out of the way of the car last minute. Yeah, surprisingly, the car doesn't barrel off the the cliffside. Um, I was hoping it would have, but Cleveland was right. Like she needs the car, yeah. to get back to the house for for the the final confrontation with the boyfriend at the end. Would have been probably a little unrealistic. And the practical of like the burst of blood, like out the headrest on the back end of was the cool. seat, is so yeah. good. Like it's funny enough for me. Yeah. And you know. We definitely needed her to get back to the house for the final yeah. sequence. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, man. Like, if she'd walked, that would have been really stupid. This is the second time I've seen this movie, but I think back on that final sequence in the house a lot because it's so bloody and violent and brilliant. Like I, I really, like, after the whole thing with Stan and, like, the glass in his foot and every like, I, I didn't know how the film could top itself like i was like <laughs> i i was like well this has like there's we're not gonna get anything as as like crazy as this and then it tops itself in like such a big way like the the movie has uh such an unbelievable climax it's cartoonish but yes. it's so cathartic it's, that it I don't mind. It well it's it's cartoonish in like a Tarantino kind of way. Like it's cartoonish in like a reservoir like an old Tarantino, like reservoir dogs or pulp fiction. It's grindhousey. Uh yeah, it's very grindhousey and it is 
maybe the the most blood I've ever seen in a single uh, scene of a movie. Maybe, yeah. maybe not the most I've ever seen, but in, in a long time. Well, I was saying it around the end of the movie, but this is like the most blood I've seen in a movie in over a decade. It's so good for that. Yeah. Alone, well, you know? uh, sorry, but like Ready Player One had a had a shot of uh, the the Shining in it with with uh, with the with the blood elevator doors, and that was in this decade. So, gotta give it to Ready Player One. Sorry, Ben. Man, hey, but that was CG blood. Yeah, also, so also fucking count. stupid. Yeah, yeah I, even if it wasn't, it wouldn't count. I do. I, sucks. I don't think it's much of an exaggeration to say that by the end of this scene, as much blood as the as the elevator scene in The Shining has been used in this movie, yeah. just like spread all over the house. Um, I know it's a completely different tone, but it nears the levels of blood at like. The end of Dead Alive, almost, where you get, like, just puddles of blood in the hallway. Yeah, well, so Richard, the boyfriend, makes it back to the house first. Uh, He knows that his two friends have been killed. Uh, He gets back to the house. He's, like, in the shower, and he hears something, and so he grabs his gun, and we get this really great... uh, long single take of him like walking around the whole house naked with the with the shotgun looking around when he he finally sees her at the very beginning when Stan and Dimitri first show up like she's in the kitchen like in her underwear she's like getting a glass of water eating the apple and turns around and is startled because Stan is standing outside on the other side of the the pink pane of glass holding a gun and at the end here when he turns around and sees her it's the same except he's seeing her through the the blue pane of glass and she's on the outside looking in with the gun pointed at him yeah uh, and one subtle thing that's done in that scene is they have this advert for shop usa and earlier shot yeah shop club usa yeah. or something and like earlier that earlier on in the movie she talks about how she wants to move to la someday mm-hmm. so she can be seen she says you know everyone in la is seen yeah and suddenly she is seen you know in the same way her predator was seen by her, she has now become the predator. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really cool kind of uh, callback awesome. to that. Also, like, the fact that that commercial, it's like an, or it's like an infomercial is running on a loop uh, for, like, the entirety of their sort of, like, chase around the house is, like, absurd in the best way. Uh, It's almost disorienting, too. Yeah. It's, like, it's in English, but it's very obviously an English commercial, like, made for European television. Uh, Like, it's the the emphasis on, like, the, the shop club USA is, like, very on the nose. But she, she shoots him through the glass... And honestly, I thought that was just going to, like, end it there. Like, she was just going to shoot him and it was going to be done. But he kind of, like, jumps out of the way. So instead of, like, taking it head on, he gets gut shot. He then has this really enormous seeping gut wound that very uh, nicely parallels hers. 
then we just have like this super extended sequence of them literally chasing each other in a circle around the house. I love how before he finds her on the other side of the window, he goes all the way around. It really creates the sense of space so that once we are just going in circles, it feels like we're very spatially aware of the kind of orientation of the house. It almost gets dizzying, you know, because they're just going around and around chasing each other. And, you know, at points she's, you know, closing in on him and at points he's closing in on her. With every pass they make, the hallway gets bloodier. Yeah. More blood is smeared on the wall. More blood is on the floor. I even said, like, I wonder who's going to slip on all the blood in the hallway first. I was mostly joking. Uh, but then she does. She does <laughs> slip on, on the blood and goes down. Much. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think it was hilarious that he covered himself in saran wrap. Yeah, he wrapped his wound up with <laughs> saran wrap, uh, which is it's cre- it's clever. It's creative. Yeah. Uh, it's gross, though. I love too. Like before the the chase really gets started in earnest. Like after they take like the first sort of slower loop around the house. Like he's around. We see that he's around the corner. Like waiting for her like if she walks through he's gonna shoot her and she almost does but she stops because she sees a a little stream of blood peeking out behind the the corner and so she knows that he's that he's there just another clever moment from this movie yeah but uh yeah it's it it is dizzying is is a great word because it's it's just cutting back and forth between them as they're just running in what we know is just a circle around the house just over and over and over and over it's pretty close to comedic it yeah it's 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 kind of it's kind of slapstick uh, it's almost like Scooby Doo uh, ish well, Benny bit. Hill like the little yakety sax except that like he is uh, that that was the scene where I really got like Homelander vibes where he's just like maniacally like grinning and just like covered in blood and just like shaking it was really great well that's a yeah that's a that's a trope or an archetype that I'll uh I'll, I don't think I'll ever get ca- uh, tired of is like the the character who like by like all standards of cinema like should be the hero like is is the like physically and uh you know, just like this, this idealized figure, like is is the fucking worst. Just <laughs> turns out to be the most evil. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and it's it's great too because it's like he's not the one who rapes her. You know, like usually in these movies, the main villain is like the rapist. You know, but Stan is the rapist, and he's cowardly and sniveling, and uh, and you know she kills him earlier, but like. The boyfriend, the one who's supposed to, like, be on her side and stand up for her, turns out to be the most psychotic. Well, yeah. also, he's the one who, who like, attempts to murder her. Like, yes. Like, he, he pushes her off yeah, the Yeah, he's the one who pushes cliff. her off the cliff. And yeah. Stan and Dimitri are both like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but she slips, she slips and falls on the blood. He bashes her in the head with the shotgun. And then, uh, you know, starts choking her to death. 
and uh, like every good villain is undone by his monologuing because he starts talking about like you women always have to fight back uh and, and she's like yeah she's like uh, <laughs> yes that's correct <laughs> and uh gets him to drop her by like digging her hand into his gaping wound which like man it's just fucking spatial awareness dog it gets it gets yeah, everybody in this movie, movie. Yeah. it's like Fucking Dimitri spending too much time trying to drown her, didn't not aware of the knife on his belt that she grabbed, and then this motherfucker monologuing and trying to choke her to death, and it's like you've got like a you've got like a huge gunshot wound in like within arm's reach. <laughs> um so she digs into that, he drops her, she grabs the shotgun, shoots him, mm-hmm. kills him. Uh, pew, pew. very satisfying. Yeah, cool, because, like, he's just a big, slippery pile of naked meat. Yeah, yeah, it makes it be- It makes it even even funnier that the whole time he's completely naked. Yeah. I also think that uh, it's, it's a fun sort of reversal that uh, there's way, way, way more male nudity in this than, than female nudity. Like, yeah. there's, there's, like, one shot sort of at the beginning when before the rape scene when, like, Stan walks in on her and, like, she's topless. But, like, uh, for that whole, that whole finale, uh, Richard is hanging dong. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hanging dong. He's hanging dong uh, and running around flopping dong. Because um, he hangs dong at the beginning of the movie too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, like, that's it's a true. theme. It's true. Yeah, he hangs a lot. That dude, he hangs a lot of dong in this movie. Um, it's like so it <laughs> online, uh, I've seen a lot of discourse about how this is a really great feminist film, and I think it really is. You know, it's a uh, yeah, frankly, you know, because it's not preachy. But it definitely gets its point across well. Well, you heard it from these white guys first. It's a great feminist film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're definitely the most qualified people to speak on that. It's true. Um, but I, I agree with you, though. I, I agree with you. Um, it's, it is, it's definitely a, a film of female empowerment. Um, I, I think that there's, there's certainly room for criticism that, like... Uh, in these types of movies, a woman's empowerment always has to come as a result of like being raped or abused or something. Um, again, not super qualified to speak on it, but I think that there's, that there's, uh, there's room for that critique. Um, but like I said a while ago, this is the right way to do one of these movies where it's light on the rape, heavy on the revenge. And it's pure catharsis. You know, yeah. seeing her. Also, for a movie called Revenge, like, it should be nothing but revenge. <laughs> Before we rate, let's talk about the music quick. Yes, gotcha. Yes, I caught in the credits is music by our boy it's Rob. Our boy. It's our boy Rob. It's our boy. <laughs> Pod it's people Rob. regular Rob. Honestly. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised uh, to see that, too, because I think that out of, out of all the films we've talked about that have music by Rob, this one has the, the most uh, memorable uh, and noteworthy score. Yeah. Yeah. I love the score in all of his films like the, that he's, he's composed. Uh, but this one was like, the EDM is so rich. Like uh, the, the texturing, like on those like gravelly bass lines. Very like, dancey. It's yeah. like yeah. French electro, French housey. Yeah. And like sort of. Good French electro. Uh, like 
It's got like some yeah. Carpenter Brute vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Little, justice. Little, uh, yeah. Two justice. fingers. Yeah, Gives me like two fingers vibes. Like, yeah. Like, um, it was really good. But then they ha- he uses all these like distorted samples. It almost feels like blown out sampling. Yeah. And it has such a chunky quality that works so well mm-hmm. in the desert heat because it, it almost feels like it's overheating. Man, I'm glad you brought up Justice. Uh, it, it does yeah. give me it does give me a, a lot of like really heavy Justice vibes. Parisian underground electronica duo vibes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and there's the the there's, shot where he's on the motorcycle. Where he's on the motorcycle. Because yeah, yeah, uh, my joke, joke was yeah. yeah, it looks like a Daft Punk cameo. Yeah, like. I didn't know Daft Punk was in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the motorcycle yeah. shot's hilarious too. Like it's. It's really well lit with like the red light around his black helmet at night. Like it looks so cool. Like the the way the colors are like uh, like moving across it, and there's like the wind whipping, and it's like a slow dolly in on on his face. Yeah, uh, like I love I love that. Uh, but it, it is very obvious that he's stationary. Yeah, and the bike is shaking. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's so much fun. Like I don't care. Like it was it was still an amazing. It's shot. so stylish. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered this movie pretty well, top to bottom. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say, too, that, like, ballsy move, just naming your film Revenge. Yeah. Like, just, you know what you're you're coming in for, and uh, for it to be, like, a rape revenge film, like, uh, standing on top of, like, such, like, a, a long legacy of, like, revenge and exploitation movies. If to it was, give your film, like, such, like, a, like a dead title like that is... If it was um, a bad movie, it would be lazily titled. It, well, it would be lazy, but also, like, ambitious, and uh, it, it pulls it off. It pulls it off so well. Because it's hardly the only film called Revenge, but... Uh, of course. For, at least at least for me, it's going to be when somebody says, have you seen Revenge? Like, whatever they're talking about, this is what I'm going to think of. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Um, I guess I'm just... I'll slap a rating sure. on that. Uh, I think that really says it all. I think we've pretty well covered uh, everything that I, I love about this movie. Uh, it's going to be a, a very strong four and a half out of five for me. Yeah, this is a movie that I liked even more a second time. I think about that final chase sequence in the hallway a lot in that like it is bloody and it's pure neo-exploitation but neo-exploitation done so well that i i was just left wanting even more of the same thing um yeah this is a strong four and a half out of five as well for me yeah um i mean there's nothing in this film that makes me want to like take away a star or half a star like i i don't know why i wouldn't give it just a clean five like this movie rules what about the uh the stock baby sound cleveland not even half a star for that that's such a small like detail it's gonna be a clean five for me there's there's no reason not to give it a five in my opinion all right well that will give revenge a uh a very powerful 4.7 out of five pods um Big, big thanks once again uh, to Sam, who I know is listening to this. Um, Thank you for uh, giving us uh, a a great recommendation. Um, I'll be watching it again at some point for sure. And uh, for others who are interested in recommending us uh, a film, stick around uh, for a few minutes and I'll tell you how you can do that. Um, Next week, we're going to uh, be talking about another new film, The Forever Purge. We have covered all of the other Purge films 
on this podcast. They have a great habit of every other film being really good. Every other one. And we're on the bad cycle this time. If if that pattern I don't know, man, that trailer looks awesome. I've never I've never watched a single purge movie. I've never had any interest in watching a purge movie until I saw the trailer for this one. See, the honestly, looks fucking the thing awesome. is the last one was also probably the best one. I would agree. So if they're coming off a strong at bat. You I would know, say this maybe... one has potential to maybe be the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it, it, this movie could could absolutely fuck up the commentary. I'm a little concerned. Some of it seemed a little cringy in the trailer. The Purge dude, is not good at commentary. But dude, the villain, like that fucking like punk cowboy vibe is awesome. This, the, the trailer makes it look very fun. I hope it is good. It's very obviously the Purge's commentary on MAGA culture. Uh, yeah. so, Which could be really cringy. It, 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 it has potential. I'm I'm leaning more towards the the side of it of it being cringy and heavy handed because uh, the purge is not known for its subtlety. If, if it leans into like the the action schlock, it could be really fun because the aesthetic is great. Like it looks like a fun movie. It's got potential. It does look yeah. like a fun movie. Um, so check back with us next week uh, to hear our thoughts on the Forever Purge. Uh, now it is time for a word from our sponsor. We are not with the sponsor shelf, but I did bring the sponsor shelf oh, with me. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Uh, yeah, that you, you, you pulled, uh, that strange shard out of your pocket, which, which seems to be absorbing light. Interesting. Okay. Let me. It's oh, getting darker in the room as we speak. Yeah. Here, I'm going to have to read this quick before, before, uh, there's, there's no light at all. Um, oh wait, nope. The lights just went out, but what's this? I can still see. This episode is brought to you by, oh, how nice, a bat. A bat with a little top hat. Oh. Oh, that's sweet. How wholesome. He's come, he's come to give you. What's he doing here? The good news. And the good news is that he's here. That is good news. Yeah. It really is. Thanks, bat in a little top hat. Man. Don't give me COVID. Don't. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Careful. Uh, don't don't let him uh, don't let him speak though, because it it'll. Uh, His mouth contains forbidden secrets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And forbidden bio weapons. Those need to stay right where they are. Careful. Those need to stay right where they are. I, I think. But he is very sweet. A little bat with a top hat. All right. Good sponsor. Well. That'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to support the show... Speaking uh, of sponsors. Speaking of sponsors, if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon now um, with several different tiers. The highest level tier is uh, Honorary Pod Boy, which not only gives you a special shout-out on each episode of the show and the episodes two days early, but it also allows you to submit films for our patron pool. Uh, so if you want to be like Sam and uh, have us talk about a, a specific film on the show. Jans, I know you're listening. <laughs> You've been recommending movies at me, dude. If you want, if you want us to watch another one of your movies uh, before you come on and guest again, you, you know become, what to do. Gotta head over to the <laughs> Patreon. You know what to do, Jans. <laughs> I'm calling you out. Uh, Patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Um, but, as always, none of our episodes are uh, paywalled. So, uh, if you're not in a position to support the show financially, then that's okay. Uh, you'll still get every episode for free. And, if you want to support the show, not 
through Patreon, <laughs> then the best way to do that is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice little review. Uh, that is a, a great way to help us boost our numbers and get into more people's ears. Uh, so if you do that, we really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode was brought to brought to you by listeners like you. That's right. Uh, I've always wanted to say that, like the PBS. Like the PBS. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Lightark Studio as we further progress on its stairs back. Stay tuned. Uh, check out the uh, the live event Realms Deep when it's coming out. Um, when is it coming out? You're going to have to Google that. But um, uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll gonna... have more information next episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for Realms Deep. Uh, we're going to be dropping a new trailer, a new content trailer on that. Uh, so... Get hype! There's a lot of cool games on there too that are going to be coming out. I've I've been uh, tuning into their Discord and they've got some neat stuff. So get hype! Get hype on that. All right. Well, thank you as always for listening, and uh, until next time, desert. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>